Hello and welcome to the film review for a now complete mission the June edition. Um, I'm Damien Valentine, and as you can see, I'm still on the bridge of the Enterprise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined by Tracy Harwood. Hello. And of course, Ricky Grove. Hello there, and I'm in my garage man cave. <laughs> it looks and fantastic. I, I'd love to say I'm actually on this beach, but I'm not, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so uh, we're not joined by Phil um, this time. Um, uh, he's got some uh, real life stuff happening, but he's fine. Not to worry. But he has sent us a film to talk about. So we will be covering his selection. Um, so, yeah, let's get on with discussing the films of this month. And actually, the one we're going to talk about first is actually Phil's. Um, since he's not here, I will introduce it. It's called uh, Contract. It's a stalker fan film. I've not actually played the Stalker game, so I'm not too familiar with that world. But uh, from watching this video, I'm kind of glad I don't live there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, what did you guys think of it? Stalker fan film was my favorite of the films that we chose this month. Um, it's an outstanding example of how machinima can tell a good story, um, which I think is lost sometimes in machinima. Um, minimal dialogue, excellent acting, um, great editing, all the production aspects were great. However, there were some issues that I had with the darkness of the video. I think it needed to have higher contrast, it needed color post-production, and more sound editing in it. It lacked some of the details of when people were doing things and having sounds for those things. So while the story was great, that's the biggest part of, of Machinima. It was excellent. I think more uh, post-production work would have made an even better film. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it was a serious sort of male-oriented film, a war-oriented film. The Stalker fan film is uh, a stalker is a is a dark and um, uh, dismal game set in a, a corrupted devastated world uh, it's fascinating I, I really enjoyed it and I thought it was a good choice for Phil mm, yeah well I must admit I, I was impressed um, with the, the extraordinary visual detail um, which I think is what really impressed me the most I did actually quite like the soundscape design but I can see what you mean Ricky with the with a you know the, the lack of rustling and things when when stuff was kind of Going it's just on. details, you know. Mm, Overall, yeah. it was fine. It was just a little few more details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're going from that, but 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 the the sync of the sound that was there was was I thought really really well well done. And I have to say, it was so impressive for me. It actually gave me chills mm. think, thinking about what's going on in Ukraine at the moment. Yes, because, because obviously it's in Russian. This film's in Russian. Um, although the mission text itself is all in English, which kind of was a little bit odd at times. Um, but I thought there's, there's a, a really creepy nightmare scene, um, which, you know, it's definitely a male film. It, it, it kind of really gave you the sense of someone out on a mission and struggling with sleep deprivation. Um, and then, um, you know this kind of psychological threat it's really the intensity was really impressive and the lack of dialogue all helped to create that atmospheric um, um you know that sense of, of tense 
um, atmosphere, really. Yeah. Um, like yeah. like you, for me, the darkness is is my biggest complaint with this. At times, it was just pitch black. Yeah, yeah. Now, and I I guess part of that was because um, uh, you know these guys wanted to create um, the right kind of atmosphere, um, but it was just a little too dark. Um, it didn't didn't especially add anything to the storytelling, and that's mainly because I guess. There wasn't the soundscape there to back that up adequately. Yeah. Um, but generally a, a great film and kudos to all those that were involved. A fab um, pick, Phil. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. I actually watched it in Russian with no subtitles. Did and you? I had no problems understanding the story, uh, what was going on. I was, and I was I was shocked and, and drawn into it just like you were, mm. Tracy. Yeah. yeah. I started watching it in Russian because I didn't have the captions turned on and I was happy with it. And I, I paused it for a moment because I thought, was this made in, because like, the animation was so impressive. I thought, it's not what you expect from game animations to be when it's uh, mm. like that. You expect characters to sort of turn on their feet rather than smoothly and all those kind of extra little animations are really well done. So I paused it for a moment to see how they made it. And it had in the description, uh, you can turn on the English subtitles now. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do that for <laughs> yes. the rest of the film. Yes. Uh, but I, I wasn't struggling before that. I just thought oh, it might help a little bit. Um, I think, yeah, it's a little bit dark. I don't know how much control they have over the game world when it comes to lighting. Um, so obviously, darkness is quite uh, a difficult thing to work with when you're making a film because you need to have that darkness, but at the same time, make sure that the audience can still see things without it ruining the effect of the darkness that you're trying to um, portray. And um, I don't know if the filmmakers had a lot of influence, a lot of control over that, but uh, I can see it, it was an issue in places where you, you can't see or even hear what's happening. Mm. But uh, I think it was still an excellent film. Um, it made me kind of curious about the, the game series. I looked up briefly after watching the film. Um, so yeah, excellent choice, Phil. Yep. One quick uh, caveat. Um, it is a very violent and brutal film. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're somebody who has a problem with that, this may not be the best film for you to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. Like Tracy, I did think about what's happening in Ukraine as I was watching it. So mm -hmm. if that's a sensitive issue for you as well, you might want to stay away from that, from this film. But it was excellent. And yep. uh, yeah. yeah. So Tracy. What have you got for us this week? Well, I was spoiled for choice this month with some really quite different um, types of films being released in the last few weeks. Um, but in the end, I've gone for two surrealist um, music videos, if you'll forgive me. I've got, um, I've got one that was kind of my favourite and then I, I kind of picked um, a bonus one. And I'll tell you why I picked a bonus one. Um, totally different genres of music. The first one... Uh, it's called Married to Your Melody by Imambek Music, um, which was released on the 21st of April. Um, Imambek is a Kazakh uh, producer and remixer of house music, which is popular in Kazakhstan as well as Russia and Ukraine. Um, in 2019, he became popular with his remix of St. John's Roses. Um, now, this one is sung by um, Salem Elise, who's a, a US-based artist. And it's quite catchy in a kind of a 1990s sort of throwback kind of way. Um, the music video is really quite surreal. It's been made in the Unreal Engine 5 Matrix City, 
Uh, and it's really fun to watch. There's kind of like whales and trains yeah, flying, yeah. waterfalls from buildings. So it's kind of playing with all the features in, in Unreal Engine, basically, in this city world. Sharks swimming through the city, giant props, a loose elephant wandering around. I think the, the, the video itself for me was really kind of quite complementary to the music in, in content and also in the editing style. And it has this kind of almost aged patina about it, which is really where I get that kind of 90s, 90, 1990s sort of vibe uh-huh. um, to it. Um, but the reason I kind of selected it was because it's one of the more interesting things I've seen done so far with Unreal Engine 5 Matrix City. Um, so before I talk about the other one, did you want to comment on that one? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a lovely film. It's catchy music, excellent imagery. I love the, there's an upside down shot, traveling shot, and it was just delightful. Yeah. It made me clap my hands and laugh. It's an example of how to use machinima commercially and still have a lot of creative choices. I just loved it. I um, started watching, I thought, why has Tracy chosen a live action film? Because of the, <laughs> the way the city looks, which is a credit to how yeah, the city yeah. is in <laughs> Unreal. And then of course I realized, of course it's the Matrix City. And also because the other thing that stood out to me was it, it hasn't been available to use um, for modding for very long. And already this video is released, which shows the talent of the filmmaker, but also the fact that it's possible to do something like this and learn it so quickly. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, it's it's been what um, two months since it's been released. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. Um, that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we talk about it last month? I can't remember now. But mm. yeah, to learn how to use it and to create a video like this in that short space of time shows that it's not a huge, yes. massively complex environment. Well, yes. it is a complex environment, but it's not impossible to learn it to use if you put some time in. And then point. you get something like this, which is an excellent film, uh, yeah. music video. Yeah, really enjoyed this one. I, I really enjoyed that one. Good choice, Tracy. The yeah. second, great. The second one I wanted to talk about is called Lion's Feet. Now, another music video. Um, this is an animated um, video for the latest single by William Mimnor, otherwise known as Will. Um, which was released on the 13th of May. So last week as we are recording. Hmm. Now, Will's a a Canadian indie folk singer-songwriter, and this song is from his album called The Goldmine. Um, There's virtually nothing on the YouTube channel. um, uh, So you're kind of left to search out about the album, uh, and from the description of that, you kind of understand that what he's doing here is kind of reflecting on life through tough times, basically. Um, And this particular single um, is all about celebrating age and having um, the knowledge and perspective in older life to look back at the beauty and innocence of youth and hence wearing lion's feet. Um, Now the video for both of you has this kind of certain hallmark to it um, that for any machinimator, um, I'm pretty sure will will most certainly be um, familiar with with the work of this guy. Um, it's created by Tom Jantle, none other than. Uh, and as usual, has that kind of surrealist elements to it, which really um, work well with the sentiment of the song of journey making through life. It kind of combines 2D and 3D animation, and it's just beautifully edited together, at least in my view. Hmm. Um, it has this kind of interesting, I think, um, what I'd call a kind of a picture postcard or sort of holiday season catch up kind of aesthetic to it. 
which to me has a kind of distinctly European flavour and a bit of a nod, I think, to the Canadian Mountie with that token horse and the talking Alsatian dog that's going on in the in the shot in a in a certain place. I think my only real criticism of it is that Tom, or indeed any of the others that have been involved with it, haven't really been credited on the YouTube channel description. Yeah, yeah. Um, although he is mentioned in the credits at the end of the video. And and quite frankly, I hope that's something that will correct soon. So what did you think of that one? Well, I knew it was a Tom Gentle animation from the first frame. <laughs> he just has such a unique and interesting style. It's yeah. kind of airy and fun, uh, using machines and blimps and all sorts of things. So even though he wasn't credited, people who know Tom Gentle will recognize it. Um, I admired the craft of the film, but the sentiment of it was a little bit hard for me to swallow. It's not my kind of animated subject, so... Um, I didn't enjoy it in the same way that I enjoyed Married uh, to Your Melody, which I thought was more successful in blending the music and the imagery. But it was still an admirable film, and I recommend it for people who like Tom Jantal's films, and that's my thoughts. Uh, I thought it's an excellent uh, film, and obviously Tom Jantal's style was a good match for the, the song, uh, particularly the, the, the Moon character. Yeah. On, on the boat I, I, I really stood out to me and uh, it's an excellent um, work from Tom I, I haven't seen many of his films recently so I, this is a nice to come back to his very unique style and uh, I'm glad he's still making machinery I think I like although it's ironic because here you have a professional uh, video animation so he's going to actually reach more people than he has for his early films but I sort of like Tom when he's a bit more experimental Mm. When he's doing things that are less, that have less sentiment involved in the story, that's kind of, oh, isn't this fun? Let's play and all of that. But more, um, you know, taking the figure of uh, Charlie Chaplin and, and turning him ironically into a, a, a strange Beckett-like character. It yeah. just appeals to my own personal taste more. But it's still a great film. And I think people who like and Machinima should see it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's an excellent choice, um, Tracy, for both films. Yep. All right, um, I'm going to move on to my film, which is actually called Moving Out. Um, so what I did was, we talked a lot about Star Citizen films, we've covered a few of those in the past, and the same with Elite Dangerous, and they're the two sort of big space simulator games. And I thought there's a third space sim out there, which is a little bit more cartoony in style. Um, but I thought, I wonder if anyone's made anything with that. So I went out looking for No Man's Sky Machinima. And <laughs> um, I found actually a lot. Um, a lot of it is in the same sort of style as, you know, the, the World of Warcraft kind of humor videos. And the one I've chosen is like that. But it, actually, some of them are not so funny and some of them are. And this one, somehow, thing about it just made me laugh. Uh, and so I decided to choose it for this month as uh, my selection. So um, what do you think? Excellent choice. Um, I've always admired uh, No Man's Sky and I'm glad to hear, I'm cheered to hear that there's a lot of machinima out there. I'm going to definitely take a look at some of it. I love this. It's sort of a throwback to older machinima, which was irreverent, hmm. you know, kicking at the the game and and sort of reversing all the things you can do in it, uh, do in it and make funny scenarios with it. Uh, it succeeds despite the fact that it's cute. 
satire is always a great mode for machinima i think i act i love the acting and overall editing in the shots it did like um one of the previous films i mentioned the stalker film it did needed some sound work for example a zap sound of moving beams you know when they were moving things around there was no sound to that at mm -hmm. all i think it would have been added to the uh, belief in the world to have a light zap sound and you could do that in 10 minutes so i would urge the creators to look at uh, adding more sound realistic soundscapes to their video but i enjoyed it it made me laugh too i love the twist um, it's just great it was great yeah i must admit i i i kind of like the riff on the lost in space as a promotional <laughs> for a removal company I thought that was, yeah. that was great and there were some lovely ideas in it that were really quite funny and um in the way that they were presented the, you know the kind of the reduction of stuff to matter <laughs> and, and reconstitution to original somewhere else, movematic type. I don't yes, wish we yeah. could do movematic stuff. Um, and then the new to us removal vans. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was wonderful. Oh, um, witty, quite very, witty. very, yeah. very witty. Yeah, I thought there was some real good humour in that. Um, I think the the concept of moving between live stream out in space, uh, that kind of aesthetic to that local recording view was was well done too because you remember they they kind of had that sort of streaming sound and then a we're here live sound kind of yes um which I, I i thought that was generally um pretty well done um i kind of felt that the, the the soundscape had that kind of 1980s vibe going you know yeah um the, i think the bit that kind of irritated me a little bit was the sooty and sweet show um sort uh, of uh, yeah. sound you know squeaky stuff um which i'm guessing a lot of the u.s audience probably won't understand what i'm talking about there but these were these were like high-pitched sort of squeaks as um a sort of uh you know that kind of got increasingly demented as uh, time went on and i just thought that was overdone a little bit um but overall i thought it did really well linking together the analogish style streaming um, even though you could say there were, you know, I suppose quite a few anachronisms in it, not least the fact that they were trying to digitize things, um, you know, in this in this kind of aesthetic <laughs> style that they were doing. But, yes. but, but generally, I thought that was it was just really, really good fun to watch. So, yeah, great choice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. All right. <laughs> the last film is yours, Ricky. So what have you got for us? Well, I got that, as I mentioned in our news uh, uh, podcast last week, um, I have subscribed to the uh, Mich uh, Milan Machinima Festival newsletter. And in one of their newsletter entries, they had a mention of an artist named David Blandy. And I followed it, watched their trailer, and then went to his website, which is a beautiful website, and started pouring through that and was very impressed. Well, with his work in machinima and many other areas. So I decided to choose him as my film, um, an artist. But I realized, you know, it's too much to be to ask of all of you to go through the entire work of an artist. So I thought it would be better to choose a specific machinima film that represents his work. Uh, let me talk about him just briefly. He uh, uh, lives and work in Brighton in London. He is a an interesting he has his feet in two worlds one's in the sort of popular world 
of uh, animation and machinima. And, uh, and, then, and then he has his, his uh, other foot in this sort of art world. Uh, so he's sort of high-low artist, interesting. He examines uh, uh, society, consciousness. He uses all sorts of digital uh, techniques. He's a composer. He's written music. He uses digital uh, uh, tools to uh, create all sorts of uh, uh, installations, um, videos, and machinima. He uses uh, machinima. Um, you can, if you go to, which we'll put a link to his uh, personal website, you can see some of his amazing stuff. He's been artist and resident everywhere. He's very popular. He's got all sorts of interesting interviews where he talks about his philosophy. But the film that I chose that I thought was interesting that Milan Machinima Festival was talking about is called How to Fly. And it's a very unique uh, machinima in that the first part of the, of the film is the actual how he made this film and the tools that he used to make it. So the first part is nonfiction. And then when he's doing the editing, he pushes into a close-up of the editing screen and it becomes the film. And the challenge was you go from a nonfiction setting in which you're not watching a story to a fiction setting and how do you draw people in? And he made that transition beautifully because you get involved in the film and you realize it's really quite a lyrical, beautiful film that he made inside of GTA five. And he's talking about, and he, he wrote his own, he, he took a script um, and he uses, he narrates it beautifully. Uh, it, it's really a, a fan, fantastic and interesting method of, creating machinima and he's done this several times my only caveat to the film is during the process of his setting the film up he says i went to google to check on the gosh what was the bird the cor cormorant i think yeah. it was yeah and he grabs the text from somebody's website on the cormorant and then he uses that text in his film but he never credits the people who actually did the text which I wouldn't do that. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's ethically right to do that. So that's a downside to the film. I think, however, in given the fact that he was just trying to show how to put something together quickly, I can see it, but I don't think that's the best way to do do that. Contact the people, ask them for their permission to use the material uh, and then use the material. But otherwise, I just think he's a fascinating artist that I'm going to follow in the future. And I really, really enjoyed How to Fly. What did you guys think of it? Well, I, you know, I was really curious when you um, shared that, um, that, that video. Uh, there's, there's, not, there's not much context to the video, um, but you kind of get the sense um, that actually what it is isn't perhaps a, a video art piece, but a performance. I mean, I could be wrong. Um, and maybe an online performance. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but the more I watched it, the more I thought it's not what it appears to be as a video or, or, or even a tutorial. There's a kind of um, poetic quality to it, um, which starts with him, as you sort of said, um, selecting this kind of 
avatar and then apparently grabbing some thematic content from the web using this, as you said, Ricky, um, random Google search and then adding any old bit of music to it and hitting play and voila, you have this kind of, you know, uh, piece um, created through the magic of the computer. And, it, and it's incredibly, um, uh, you know, the, the, it's got a real aesthetic um, quality to it. It's kind of, I'd call it poetry, um, reflecting mm. on, a, on a bird as a kind of metaphor for something else, maybe life, I don't know. Um, all of the avatar representations, um, of all of them to select, why Cormont? Uh, which, which I thought was a really curious kind of thing. And then for all of the, the ways to search for words, the words that he selected that piece of text with were really quite odd, somehow quite quite strange, the meaning of Cormont. Very, it, was, it was kind of curious, I thought. And then the more you reflect on it, the more I think what's being explored here is kind of personal meaning through the forms uh, that he's using. Yes. And, those, and those forms are created into something that is, is kind of quite meditative. So mm. I don't think that's a tutorial video at all. I think that's something else completely. And I, I think what that constitutes is his aesthetic style. And that's what led me to have a look at some of the other pieces, because I, I know you didn't um, give us links to those other pieces, but then I got quite curious about how he's doing this. Um, and there's another piece in a very similar vein to it, um, to, to that one that you selected called how to live, uh, similar sort of thing, pitched as this kind of tutorial, um, but a, tu a tutorial this time on creating poetry using depth photographs of visuals and that kind of mesmerizing voice, which says absolutely nothing at all of any great substance, but it's the <laughs> and the and the soporific quality of it that's kind of meditative. And then amazingly, <laughs> In preparation for our podcast, I followed David on Twitter and he followed back. And we had what I can only really describe as a totally serendipitous exchange when he very generously shared with us the link to his latest piece, which is called Android's Dream. And I'm guessing that's why you got your T-shirt on, Ricky, isn't it? <laughs> or... That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that film um, was released on the 9th of November and it was actually showcased at the Milan Machinima Film Festival, but as a physical um, part of the programme, not, not online. So it's not actually viewable on his channel at all, but that piece, um, if you ever get a chance to watch it, um, really follows a very similar creative process to the, those other two that we just talked about. Um, using Unreal Engine and um, this sort of cyberpunk cityscape and these game characters in which he kind of situates an almost proposition, I think, about what the meaning of cyberpunk is and what the meaning of metaverse is. Um, and that's what I think his aesthetic is. It's the kind of, what's the meaning of? Um, so, you know, it has this kind of similar sort of mesmerizing, hypnotic voice, this kind of ebbing and flowing of the visuals these yeah. kind of words washing over you. Um, and I have to say with that particular one, the Android's dream one, really super intriguingly, I didn't even notice the point at which the language being spoken 
change from English to just nonsense. Um, and he, you know, he sort of says in the video, his words went into reverse. So it's a genuinely immersive and fascinatingly immersive experience, just getting absorbed into his um, videos, I think. Um, on his, in his creative statement, he's basically talking about constructing his sense of self using found media and cultural appropriation. So I think in that sense, it's obvious that machinima is gonna be a component of what he does. Um, clearly, you know, looking at his portfolio, he's got a great empathy with Japanese culture uh, and arts intermingled with anime, fantasy stories, and his kind of love for travel and experience in, in kind of both physical and virtual worlds really comes through in that whole portfolio. I definitely recommend looking at other work that he, he's produced. Um, and there's an, also another video that helps you make sense of what his work is about, and it's called Backgrounds. Uh, and I'll put a link um, in the show notes for you as well on that one, um, which largely is about his relationship with his father, who was also an artist. Um, but ultimately, in my sort of um, reflection on, on the work, in relation to his artist statement and, and the portfolio, I kind of felt there's a small sense of something that was missing for me. And I'm not sure what it was um, or what it is. Uh, but somehow that presentation is kind of incomplete. It's kind of an abstraction of something much more detailed. Maybe that's how the work induces you into a kind of meditative state. Because in Android Dream, Android's Dreams, he does kind of make reference to a missing sensory component that he's definitely trying to invoke in the presentation of that work. Um, and that's basically the sense of, um, you know, the, 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 the sense of um, smell, basically, or as you're kind of wandering around a virtual environment. Anyway, I felt that the, the work, at least for me, is, um, as a viewer, isn't, isn't so much about construction, but is about a representation or a window into his self or into his kind of personhood. And I guess really that's what all artists do. But, but actually, I kind of love that sense of an aesthetic approach I got through um, the pieces that we kind of looked at here. And they're all very different. But my takeaway, I think, was that the work wasn't so much about his experience, but my own sense of absorption. Um, as I just sort of sank into the scenes and these kind of words wafted over me and the, mm -hmm. the music and the kind of the patterns of the sounds. Um, I guess the other thing is, I don't know if you noticed, Ricky, but he's also got this great passion for zines. And I wondered yes. if you'd pick that up as well. No, I haven't. Anyway, yeah, I loved it. I really did love it. Thank you. Boy, that's some of the most, um, this is some of the best criticism I've ever heard you speak. It's marvelous. <laughs> Now I've got to follow up on that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was good. Really good. <laughs> um, one thing that struck me is it, you, you have that sort of tutorial, like you couldn't really follow it, but it, it kind of, he's not really showing you how to make a film. He's kind of giving you a, a taste of how he makes something. And it's just a taste of it. He's not going into all depth that you need to press this and you need to click on this to do, to do all this other stuff. Right. And you've got this, it kind of cuts out to other 
things like the, the Google search, which I wondered about that too, like you two did. But um, he keeps coming back to the footage in GTA, which when you see the film in the second half of the video, that's not where he started capturing the footage. He actually, if you're watching the whole thing all the way through, then you see the, the machinima part of it, which is the, the bird flying all the way through the video, but it's not the whole film that you see at the end. That's, and mm. he, uh, he um, has a little bit of a moment when he crashes and it goes wrong. Uh, and there's some moments like that, which is what happens when you're making machinimas. You can very easily uh, trip up the game mechanics and mess up your scenes that you have to set up uh, again. But he, I think this was done on purpose for the video because it adds a little bit of humor to it. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you have to watch it all the way through to see the whole film because you're getting half of the film in the making of the film, mm. which I thought was an interesting way to do it as well. Perhaps he's one of the most successful artists or poets, as you imply there, uh, Tracy, in combining a... a film of ideas with a film of feelings putting mm. those two things together in such a way that are is impactful too often you find uh, the academic world using machinima is basically just a platform for criticism or philosophy yeah. or ideas and the video is secondary it's just a supporting structure and it's often quite abstract so that they don't have to actually come up with uh, images that actually correspond to the ideas clearly for most viewers um, where David Blandy succeeds is he combines those two together in such a way that they not only inspire you uh, intellectually, but they also move you as well. There's something you're right. There's something very <coughs> elegiac about that cormorant flying around and the choice of the cormorant to begin with. Mm. Uh, and the fact that it would be in a game like GTA five, yeah. It's just fascinating. That's an excellent choice, Ricky. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. I hope to follow through. Perhaps we'll uh, work out an interview with David to talk ab about uh, some of his work uh, uh, in June. We'll see. That would I think be great. Be interesting. Yeah. yeah, that would be really good. All right, so we, we've covered our films, but we had some in our feedback, uh, which you read out last week, um, from Mike Clements. He wants to know, what do you do with your film once you've finished it? So this, this is obviously when you've, you've got your footage, you've edited it together, you've done the sound work and all the voice acting and all the music. It's all finished. You're ready. You've got this completed film. So what do you do with it afterwards? Uh, what, what, you know, what's, what's next? Um, so that's going to be our topic of discussion for this week. So um, who would like to get started? I'd like to address that first. All right. I think that's a very, it's a, even though it's a simple question, it has a real complexity to it because there's so many different things you can do. It's, it's also an emotional uh, experience as well, because you put all this time and effort. You've maybe worked with other people to get stuff done. You finally have finished it. It's almost like once it's finished, well, then I want to move on to another project. You know, I just finished that creative project. I'll, I'll just, like a painter who finishes a painting, sticks it in the corner and then moves on to the next one. But machinima is a social medium. So how many times have we said on this program that it's about the community as well? Mm -hmm. So the first thing you need to do with this film is to share it with 
communities. Perhaps the game that you were making it in has a large community. You can post it in the forum. If you're a person that can take uh, criticism, including troll criticism, which is it's inevitable you'll be getting that, uh, then put it on the forum. If you are somebody who can't take much criticism, share it with your friends privately. Get some feedback on the film. Get some ideas about did you make some mistakes? Can you improve and that stuff? That's what you should do for the very first thing. Now, if you want to go further, you feel that the, the film is a success and it has a wider appeal than just the community and your friends, then perhaps you should consider sharing it in competitions or sharing it in a festival, submitting it to other festivals or putting it, creating a YouTube channel that features your, or a Vimeo channel that, that features your films and setting it up so that you can create content on a regular basis. Uh, again, remember, you're going to get feedback. Uh, there are ways to cut off comments so you don't get that if you're not interested in it. But in general, you want to get feedback because you want to develop an audience for your mm. film. Uh, beyond that, um, I don't, I can't tell you what to do, but I think those first two things are some of the alternatives you have when you finally finish your film. Yeah, I mean, I think making the film is one whole thing uh, and, and it's all, it, it's the thing that most folks love to focus on. But you still, you know, once you've done it, if you're going to um, put it out there and it, it, to the widest audience that you would like, creating a promotional campaign for something, well, that's quite tough to do, I think. Um, you know, you've got all the usual social media channels that you could use. You've got a, a, a website. Um, and then, of course, like Ricky says, the, the, the film festival route can, can also take you in a whole different direction. None of that, none of, none of what I'm talking about there is actually free to do. It's not just a case of slapping it on a channel and, and job done. That's just, it just doesn't seem to work that way anymore. And I, and I think, you know, YouTube and Vimeo are, are one thing, but we've also got streaming channels now like um, Streamable and Twitch that you could think about, um, uh, you know, how you showcase your work through that. Uh, and not only that, it seems to me that there's quite a lot of machinima content emerging on TikTok. Well, quite what that is, I don't know. I haven't really kind of spent a lot of time going through it, it's all kind of the, 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 the rubbishy stuff that we used to see on machinima.com as far as I can tell at this moment in time. But is that a good channel to promote it on and you know push people to other channels? Maybe, maybe. Um, and then of course you've got a Patreon system. There's a paywall structure for that that you can share content on um, privately. But some of these um, channels will really only work well for you if you've got an established audience. And getting the established audience is really hard to do. And I think um, it's often easier to find an audience if when you're using, or if you've created stuff in game-based um, machinima, you, you know, your starting point really is, it kind of already exists around the game world um, that you're working with. So, you know, you've got to start with that community before um, trying to sort of broaden your horizons, I think, because you'll often get better comments back from that kind of world than you will from a more broad general audience. Um, 
But one thing I will say, you know, having tried to promote this show a little bit over the last 18 months, you know, when you try and sort of pitch into channels that already apparently exist for machinima content generally, they have this kind of no self-promotion set of rules. Um, and you get that in a lot of communities. And it's the very antithesis of what communities are supposed to be about. So quite frankly, I would avoid like the plague those kinds of groups, even though they appear to be set up for exactly what it is you want. They are not helpful places to go. Um, just find the ones that you're welcome uh, into and the ones that you can contribute to as well as receive um, feedback from. And then, of course, the next thing to do is just make another film. I think that's my that's comment. That's right. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Good, good ideas there. Yeah, obviously, getting, you finish your film, um, sharing it is important because, uh, for one thing, we want to see it. Um, so we can talk about your film. Um, but how you do it, uh, depends on really what you want to do with the film as well. I mean, if you're going into it thinking, I want to submit to film festivals, one of the things you need to be aware of with film festivals is if you've made your film public, they may reject it on the grounds that other people have seen it first. So, I mean, you can have a private audience for your family and your friends to show them the film. But if you put it on YouTube, you may find that you're turned down from film festivals because they like the idea of, this is a film that we've got exclusively at our event, regardless of whether it's an online event or if it's a, uh, if we're going back to sort of real world festivals now. Um, they like that exclusivity. Not all film festivals are like that though. Some are happy to have your film if it's been on YouTube and you know a million people have seen it. Um, they'll still happily um, accept it and you may win something. Um, but it's something to keep in mind that, uh, before you release it is if you want that option look at the film festivals first that you're thinking about submitting to to see what their rules are uh, and then have at it and then do share it and uh, places like YouTube are a good place because you've got it's easy to put a video on there um, as long as you haven't done anything like, like use copyrighted music you don't have to worry about anything like that you just put it up there and it's a good place that you can link people to uh, to direct it so if you you know you put your video up on youtube and you want to share it on your facebook page well you just take the link and post it on facebook and all your friends on facebook can see it uh, and, and so on it's a very convenient place to share of course the other thing about youtube is you are going to get the trolls um, um i would say just either laugh at the comments if if that's your sense of humor or just ignore them uh, if don't let it get under your skin because these people are probably not going to have any idea how to make what you just made and why should they be nasty to you and put you down when they can't do it themselves so ignore them uh, and just uh, use it as a good platform to share your work good advice yeah yeah, yeah. actually i mean it's really interesting that you talk about trolls and whatnot I my only recent experience with a lot of trolls was for, not, not for artwork that I've um, done, but for artwork that had been put into my art AI festival. We had something like 7,000 trolling messages for this piece of work. And I'll tell you what the work was. It was a, a deep fake of Elvis. And what, what 
basically um, was going on was that the messages are about don't don't mess with my uh, with my iconic Elvis. It's basically what the, the, all these trolling messages are about. But generally, why I looked at that as a positive thing is because the whole point of the festival was to put um, new kinds of technologies in front of the general public audience. Right, right. Uh, and the fact that they've taken the time to write something nasty, I have to say, um, about the artist messing with this image of, of this long dead icon, um, just to me showed that, that our strategy had worked. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, I find, find there's three kinds of feedback you get. You get the, the first kind, which is, this is the best thing I've ever seen, make more. That's great, it's always nice to hear that. Then you get, I really enjoyed this, but um, the music was a little bit too quiet and I couldn't hear it. And that's good because, you know, you can learn from that for your next film. And then, of course, you get the trolls, which is, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. You should never make anything again. Uh, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a very mild troll. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are the ones you ignore. But yeah. uh, you get the idea. Uh, some of the feedback you get may not be so positive, but it's something you can learn from, which is another mm. important thing um, because, you know, it, it, listen to it because you can learn from it and make your next yes. film even better. The key thing I think in, um, in, in after you finish your film is learning from your film. And in order to do that, you have to participate in a community. Uh, if that's not your thing, then just keep making films, you know, do whatever you want with them. But if you want to get it out there and you want to get feedback um, as uh, uh Damien so clearly enunciated the three types of criticism. Look for that second type of criticism where you actually get helpful things like, you know, you could improve your sound editing or this didn't make sense or it was too quiet. And then note those things down. And then when you go back to make your second film, check those things to make sure you've solved those problems. It's a way to grow as a filmmaker. Yeah. I guess the other thing to say is you could always send it to us too. Because you'll get all three of those things in one hit from us. Yep. <laughs> yep. Although I have to say, your film has to have a certain level of competence for us to be able to include it here. Yeah. Um, and we're not being elitist. It's just that we want to make sure that the films that we share with our listeners and viewers are good films, are basically solid, well-crafted films for the most part. So if you think you have that kind of film, please submit it to us. We'd be, we'd love to take a look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's an interesting discussion. It's interesting to see what uh, you both had to offer on um, what to do with films after they're done. So uh, hopefully that answers Mike's question and he finds that helpful when he finishes his film. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah. Send us more questions like that. We want to answer them. Oh, please do. Uh, and we'll do our best to help you. All right, so that's the end of uh, our film section and the end of our uh, stream for this month. So thank you so much for choosing those films, Ricky and Tracy. Uh, and Phil. Yes, and Phil too. I thought yeah, it was another Phil. great selection of films. I'm really, I'm always impressed with the things that everybody comes up with. Yeah. All right, so um, thank you everyone for listening and join us next time and see you then. Bye. Check, check out our show, completelymachinima.com, for all the show notes uh, and feedback forms. And thank you for uh, listening and watching this month. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.